Take your Bibles. Let's go to Acts chapter 5 tonight. Good to see you all back. Amen? Amen. What a blessing to have somebody to preach to. The book of Acts is our Sunday night series. And we're making some observations along the way of what it looks like to be a church in action. Since we've already been six weeks in this chapter, I ask you to please go back and listen to anything you may have missed. There's too much to try to recap at this point. I will remind you of where we left off last time. Remember, the apostles had been arrested for preaching in Jesus' name. That was something the council had commanded them not to do in the previous chapter. But by the time we get to chapter 5, we find that they have filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. (laughs) So the apostles are brought in before the council. They are to give an answer for disobeying uh, the command. And they said we ought to obey God rather than men. And what's great is they just started to preach Christ right in front of the ones who said don't preach in His name. This is such a great chapter. This caused the council to repent and get right. And No, this caused the council to get mad to the point that they wanted to kill him. They took counsel of how to slay the apostles. Well, Gamaliel stood up in their midst. He said, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do as touching these men. He reminded them of some historical accounts that had occurred before where men had risen up gathered a following when they died, the following uh, or or that movement just kind of fizzled out and disappeared. And he says, refrain from these men, let them alone. If this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. And then he gave the famous words in Acts 5, 39, but if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. Good words. Amen. Too bad he was a lost man, but good words nonetheless. And that was our emphasis last week was Acts 5.39. And let's not forget that we are the church of the living God. Amen. Amen. And we cannot be overthrown if we keep our hearts right with God. The gates of hell cannot prevail against God's church. That's a promise. And any who fight against us will be found to be fighting against God. And guess what? God never loses. He's undefeated. Will always be undefeated. Amen. Zechariah 2.8, For he that toucheth you, toucheth the apple of his eye. Well, that's where we uh, left off. So let's begin tonight in verse 40. And we'll read through verse 42 of Acts chapter 5. It says, Gamaliel having said what he did, and to him they agreed. The council agrees with him. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So Gamaliel, he was a man who had a respected reputation. He was a leader among leaders We mentioned last week, and he advises the council, you ought to proceed with caution. Leave them alone. In essence, he's he's suggesting that let's just allow this to play out. It's going to end. Their leader has been killed, and this is all going to fizzle out. 
that doctrine of that deceiver will be over. And now at the beginning of verse 40, we see the council agrees with Gamaliel, or at least in part. They agreed not to kill the apostles, but they still don't just leave them alone entirely. They agreed with his reasoning, and they understood what he was getting at, but we see next in verse 40 that they would not leave them entirely alone because they call the apostles back in, and they have them beaten. Remember, the, the apostles had been excused so that Gamaliel could speak in front of the council without the apostles hearing him. And the council here, I believe, may sense if we release these men with no punishment, it's going to look like we're losing our authority. Because a rule not enforced is not a rule. Right? That's good parenting advice. But that's nowhere in the text. So see... Let's not forget, though, at the heart of this, it's all about doctrine. That's what this is all about as you're reading through this account in Acts. They, they commanded them not to teach in Jesus' name because of the doctrine of the resurrection of Christ. And they understood that the doctrines of Jesus being preached by His followers were going to expose the false doctrines of the council. So doctrine is the issue. By the way, doctrine is the issue today. What do you believe and why? It's all about doctrine. It's all about teaching. It's all about what we've learned and what we believe the Word of God to teach. The council wants this sect of these followers. The Apostle Paul, when he's Saul of Tarsus, he'll call them the sect of the Nazarenes. They want this sect of Jesus' doctrine to disband and disappear entirely. And so if they let these men go without any punishment, it's going to appear that somehow the apostles got an upper hand on the council doctrinally. And the council is far too prideful to allow that to happen. Not to mention, they, they don't want the disciples to walk away more confident to preach in Jesus' name, not having suffered anything. Well, we didn't get punished, let's just keep doing this. Therefore, they feel it's in their best interest. Let's send a clear message to anyone who dares to speak and teach in the name of Jesus. Let's let them know, if you decide to go out there and preach in Christ's name, this is your fate. You will be beaten. Now, can you see who the council is really afraid of here? They're not afraid of the apostles, per se. They're afraid of Jesus. Well, that's interesting because in their mind, Jesus is dead. But that's who they're afraid of because it was His teachings. They're afraid of Him and His Word. And if the doctrines of Jesus prevail in Jerusalem, it's the council who would end up disbanding and disappearing. Because the, tr the true doctrine is going to expose the false doctrine. And so they're concerned about this because this is their profitable way of life. They're making a lot of money off this thing that they've developed, this corrupted form of Judaism. As Europe was coming out of the Dark Ages, the Roman Catholic Church did not like the idea of the Word of God being printed. Because if this thing gets out in the common tongue, we're sunk. Because it's going to expose our false doctrine. 
What were they afraid of? The Word of God. The doctrines of Christ. You with me? Adam Clark cited this. It was a wise saying of the popish bishops in the time of Queen Mary. If we do not put down this printing, it will put us down. They labored to put down the printing, but they could not. And under God, the printing, by exposing the wickedness of their doctrine and practices, and especially by multiplying copies of the New Testament, did most effectually put them down. (laughs) Understand that our spiritual enemy doesn't really fear us. You understand what I'm saying? But our, our enemy fears God who indwells us. Our enemy doesn't really fear our words, but they fear God's word. We have no power in of ourselves. And as, as a result, any work that we may set out to accomplish must be done in the power of God, not in the weakness of our flesh. And remember how the book of Acts opens to begin with, over there in Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You have to have power to do what this book is, is showing us. And so... Here's these apostles. They cannot go forward in their own strength. They have got to go forward in the power of God, and so do we. And we should never get to a point where we think we are something in of ourselves. Uh, remember that the, everything we do, it, it's about God. It should be. It, it's about His doctrine. And we want to guard against people that want to do stuff just to be seen. Just to be noticed, just to be in the limelight. Uh, because it's not about us. Uh, Zechariah 4, 6, Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And as we go forth preaching the Word of God, we must do so in His power, remembering it's all about God and His doctrine. Because we, what we want is for people to put their faith into God, not into us. Right? Not into our words, but into God's Word. Because we really don't want them growing to the point of, let me go to that person and get all my answers. I'm not against discipleship, but what I'm saying is there ought to come a point when you're learning to go to God's Word. That's who we want to lead people to. And so this is all about God. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5, uh, Paul said, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that's our goal. If someone rejects you, they're rejecting God. If you're giving God's doctrine and they reject you, they're rejecting God, they're rejecting God's doctrine. So don't take it so personal. Amen. Who likes people anyway? I was just seeing if anybody's awake. Y'all look like you're ready to go home like I am. Don't worry, Adrian's in the nursery. We'll go fast. But on the other side of that, any victories that we may experience, we ought to, we ought to understand that's because of God's goodness and, and His power. The council decides, let's beat the apostles. This was likely done in public. I I know some of this is obviously speculation, but I'm sure they wanted to make an example out of them, and that was the common way to do it. This form of punishment that we find here was permitted in God's law. Deuteronomy 25, verses 1 through 3, 
If there be a controversy between men and they come unto judgment, that the judges may judge them, and they shall justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. And it shall be, if the wicked man be worthy to be beaten, that the judge shall cause him to lie down and to be beaten before his face according to his fault by a certain number. Forty stripes he may give him and not exceed, lest if he should exceed and beat him above these many stripes, above these with many stripes, then thy brother should seem vile unto thee. In other words, if you read the next verse, it talks about not muzzling the ox. If you beat him more than that, you're treating him no different than you would an animal, is what it's getting at. And he becomes vile. It became customary in Israel that they would administer 39 stripes and never 40. This was meant as both an, a merciful act and also to make sure we don't break the law. Uh, I, I have read that over time as Israel really became obsessed with their adherence with the letter of the law that since their whips were made out of three cords on the end that they would only administer 13 strokes because one stroke would equal three lashes. And so that would equal 39 lashes and hence the reason why they would do 39 and not 40. But the, the point is the usual beating for an offense was 39 lashes. And this is likely what is meant when it says they beat the apostles. Remember in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four, Paul said, Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. And I may not be using the most correct words in trying to describe this, but this type of beating by the Jews I would call a whipping, while the Romans what they would do is a scourging. And, and maybe this is all semantics, but uh, there was a difference between the two. The Romans would take their, their whips and they would embed things in the end of those things, bone, metal, glass, stones, and they would pummel your body and it would rip flesh from your body when they would whip you. And they had a much longer whip, it would wrap around, it would pull skin off, Bowels had documented that bowels have fallen out before from being scourged by the Romans. It was a very brutal process. In fact, most people, not most people, I'm sorry, a lot of people died just from the beating. If they didn't die during the beating, they certainly did afterwards because now they've got all this open wounds and they're getting infected and all the rest. And so the Roman scourging was very brutal and it, it caused a lot of death just from that. The whips used in Israel were made of leather and they were lighter. And it's my understanding that they did not embed things into the ends of their whips like the Romans did because Israel, like I said just a second ago, they were very, they wanted to make sure they were following the law the best they knew how. And, and though the Jews' punishment wasn't nearly severe as the Romans, don't misunderstand me, this was a beating you did not want. Okay? Uh, and even though it may have been perceived by some present that this was a merciful act because they're sparing their life, we see the truth of Proverbs 12.10 of how the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. The apostles here have done nothing worthy of the punishment they're going to receive. And all of this was a fulfillment of Jesus' words in Matthew 10.16 and 17. He said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but beware of men, because they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. As I mentioned Wednesday night in our series in Daniel, some think we have it bad today. But when we compare our day to theirs, 
it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out we have it really good. Amen. We don't understand what the first century Christians really went through here in America. In fact, before the first century is over, what we find here in Acts 540 will be considered a light punishment. Oh, that we could have that punishment over what the Romans are going to do to them before the first century is over. It's going to get so brutal, they're going to tie them, sew them into animal skins and cast them into the arena for the lions to eat them. I mean, it's going to get brutal. And we think we have it bad. We still have it very good in this country. Amen. Well, next in verse 40, we see that the council commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. That's about the worst experience most of us have experienced to date. Right? Don't preach in the name of Jesus. Military said that all the time. And I said, then stop using his name in vain. Yeah, I had so much fun in the military. It's amazing I ever got promoted. Amen? I, like, well, if you're going to give God a last name, I can preach about him. Oh, listen, you can get away with a lot more than you think you can. That's another sermon for another time. But they, they've already given this command to them in Acts 4.18. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. And, and remember the reason why they gave this command in the first place. But that it spread no further among the people, this doctrine, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth no man in this name. And that goes back to my first point, that who they really are fearing is Jesus. They're fearing His doctrine and His name. Just before the first time they were commanded this, Peter had just preached to the council, be it known unto you all, now he's before the council, be, be it known before you all, or unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him did this man stand before you whole. And then he said in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. They were preaching in the name of Jesus. And, and after Peter said that, the Bible talks about how the council, they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And then in Acts 4.19 and 20, after they were told not to speak in Jesus' name, they've been commanded at this point, and they say before the council, but Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And then the Bible says, they further threatened them. We're serious now. <laughs> Amen. We're serious. Sorry, I've been watching way too much Roscoe P. Coltrane lately. We're, we're serious. And don't speak in the name of Jesus. But remember what they prayed in chapter 4 after they were let go then. In Acts 4, 29 and 30, it says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Was it less Zerbi that said once, faith is going in the direction of your fear? Faith is going in the direction of your fear. Here they are, they are being threatened, and they're saying to God, Grant unto us the boldness to go in the direction that they don't want us to go. And here they are again before the council. And in verse 28, the high priest said, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? Then in verse 29, Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. And the very next thing Peter does is he preaches Jesus' name. 
<laughs> this is an amazing account. It's humorous to me that they're commanding them again, don't, don't do this. We're serious. Don't do this. You think they would figure it out by now, they're serious about their faith. They're serious about their call, their commission to go. And these, these men are not backing down because they're being threatened. But a lot of times, that's all it takes for us. Well, they said no. They threatened me. I got my feelings hurt. They, th- these men, they've shown no, in, no indication that they're going to disobey God because they're being threatened. They're going to speak in Jesus' name. Well, finally in verse 40, we see that the apostles were let go after they were beaten. But look at their reaction in verse 41. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. Wow. Isn't that something? Matthew 5, you you know the verses. "Blessed Blessed are they which are persecuted. For righteousness' sake, right? Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. I, I like the way Luke puts it, Luke 6, verses 22 and 23. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company. That's more of what we experience, right? separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast cast your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner did the fathers unto the prophets. And then there's a lot of verses, but then 1 Peter 4, 13, 14, and then verse 16, it says, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy." If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. And this is exactly what we find these apostles doing. They don't go, oh well, it must not be the will of God, I just got beaten. Must not be the will of God. I hit a roadblock. No, they're rejoicing. They understand. They're tuned in. They understand this is of God. This is what God said would happen. This is the result of, of, of a lost world hearing a gospel they don't want to hear. And so it, it's great to me that what the council had hoped would break their spirits is actually what lifts their spirits. Let's beat them because we want them to know we're serious about this. They get beaten. They go out and they're rejoicing. They're now uh, invigorated. Yeah, let's, let's go preach some more. Amen. I'm excited. So what's your reaction when the hardships come? Well, we're going to wrap up this chapter. Verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Would you look at this? They're right back at the temple. And who are they preaching? Christ. We've told you now three times, don't preach in this name. And now they're going there every day, which they were doing. They're going there every day preaching Jesus' name. This is where they got arrested. This is where they were at when they were apprehended and eventually beaten. 
and they're going right back to the same spot. Isn't this amazing? Doesn't their, their Christianity put ours to shame? They go right back into it. There's no fear here. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And, and I want you to notice here that this was a way of life for the apostles. This wasn't just a Sunday thing. Amen. Daily, they're preaching. Daily, they're about the Father's business. This is a daily walk with God. They had addicted themselves to the ministry. This is something they learned from Jesus. In Luke 19, 47, speaking of Jesus, and He taught daily in the temple. Matthew 26, 55, Jesus said, I sat daily with you teaching in the temple. And you'll see this throughout the book of Acts, and I really think it's the main emphasis of the book of Acts. And as you go through there, I may have mentioned this as we started this, but if you'll make a note, if, you're, if you mark in your Bible, underline every single time it talks about preaching Jesus. And, and that's what we see here. What is their message? What is their main emphasis? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. They did not cease in, in, to, to preach the name of Jesus Christ. Their message, listen, their, their message was not how awful the government was. That, that was not their main message. And their government was more awful than ours. Their main message wasn't how bad the people down the road were. Ken, you know where I'm going. I, I just can't help it. You know, there's, there's some churches, their whole platform is why we hate other churches. We're on the same side. All right, anyway. Thank you, Brother Long. That's your fault. Their main message wasn't about social justice. Their message wasn't on, the, on their own preferences and standards. Now, listen, I'm not saying there's not a place for all these things. There are. There are contexts for it. But their primary message was Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. The apostles' mission in life was to exalt Jesus. They didn't cease to teach and preach Jesus. And what I see here at the end of this chapter is they not only took advantage of opportunities they had, but they sought for opportunities to preach Jesus. And I think this is important. Now, the council's command, I may have gotten ahead of myself here, I don't know. Where am I at? I want you to notice here that these three verses, it's all about Jesus' name. Do you see that? You see in verse 40, the council commanded them, not to speak in the name of Jesus. Verse 41, the apostles rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And in verse 42, they ceased not to preach Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. And the council's command not to speak in Jesus' name should not surprise us because we still see that it is Christ's name which is the issue today. Could you imagine if our money said, in Christ we trust? You can do a simple internet search and you can find cases throughout this land where there's a move to stop Jesus' name from being said during prayer in public and governmental institutions. And I don't have to sit up here and explain all that, but I'm sure you know that. I hope you do. Uh, it is real. It's, it, it is Jesus' name who offends. 
And what you'll find is, let's remove Jesus' name all for the sake of tolerance. Nobody wants to tolerate my position. We'll tolerate you as long as you agree with me. And in an effort to offend no one, don't you bring Christ in here. It is the name of Jesus which divides. Even Jesus said in Matthew 10.34, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. And, and I, I believe he goes on to talk about, I'll end up setting family members against each other. Because it is Christ which divides. Why? It is Christ, that is your fork in the road, the decision you have to make. And the enemy wants to silence Jesus, his name, because Jesus is the one who got the victory over the enemy. Whoop. Colossians 2.15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, that's the enemy. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And the devil's still mad about it. Amen. The poochie lip, he's on the losing side. And the enemy can try to silence the name of Jesus all that they want, but one day every single one of them will bow and confess the name of Jesus. Philippians 2, 9 through 11, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. I love it when our choir sings, Jesus, what a wonderful name. It's a precious name, amen. It's a lovely name. It is a wonderful, listen, it is a mighty name. Some call it progress and we must conform or we will be left by the change. This new world religion serves the God of their choice, but salvation still comes in one name. All the great leaders who sleep in their graves one day will bow and proclaim, He's Lord of all glory, the crowned King of kings. All creation will thunder His name. That name is Jesus, sweet rose of Sharon, spotless and pure Lamb of God. Jesus, the Lion of Judah, the promised Emmanuel, God's Son. Jesus, my Lord and Creator, who witnessed and conquered the grave. Jesus, this world's only Savior. Jesus, what a wonderful name. The apostles could not be silenced because they had been apprehended by Christ. The love that Christ had for them constrained them. They had to speak His name. They had to preach Christ. Listen, the one who has plunged in that fountain, filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's vein, has their sins washed away. And those who have sold out to Him, they will not be intimidated. They will never be silenced. Because they know that there is something greater than themselves. Hey, listen, I owe it all to Him tonight. Whoop! Hey, without Him, I'd still be dead in my trespasses and sins. Without Him, I'd have no hope. Without Jesus, I'd be on my way to hell. Without Jesus, I wouldn't have any peace and joy. Listen, how could I ever cease to stop preaching His name? He despised the shame for us, and yet we won't even open our mouth. I say with the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9.16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. 
for necessity is laid upon me. Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. I say with Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. In other words, I can't keep my mouth shut any longer. I've got to proclaim the word of God. These apostles, they understood what Jesus meant to them. They understood that Jesus had paid it all for them. And that they would have nothing apart from Christ. What else could they do but give their life on the altar of service? And say, God, here I am. Send me. Use my life. Use me up. How can we be silent about the God who has done everything for us? Could you imagine if we would just start winning people to Christ? What that could do to our our community? Did you see the shooting in Allen, Texas? We support a church planter there. Man, we ought to be praying for our churches to, to grow and to expand their influence and reach. People need the Lord. And may we never back down. May we stand in the evil day. May we be found faithful. May we stand and having done all, stand. Church in action will never stop preaching Christ. Ever. That's that's our main message. That, That doesn't mean we can't have fun along the way. It doesn't mean that we can't talk about other things. But that is our message. That is our platform. Amen. My platform is not prophecy. What's your opinion on that? I don't, God will take care of all that. Now, some of you know me well enough. I love getting into that stuff. But listen, our platform is the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, aren't you going to talk about social justice? I mean, I saw that church on, on live stream. I mean, he was washing feet of minorities because he felt so bad for how whites have treated everybody over the years. That's not my main message. I'm all for social justice. Somebody say amen. But, but listen, I, I'm not gonna, that's not going to be our platform, Amen. right? Amen. You get up every week and you talk about this. <laughs> I better shut my mouth. <laughs> they ceased not to preach Jesus Christ. Amen. So you go out there, you go to work, and you, you strike up a conversation. What, what are you going to talk to them about? Man, you'd love our church. Our pastor's awesome. One amen. Um, (laughs) What are you going to talk to them about? You understand what I'm saying? Well, you'd love our teen group. What what are we talking to them about? Well, you just love our choir. You see, we come up short a lot of times. We're not really admitted, but we're, we're a little intimidated to go so far as to say, you need the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we kind of massage it to say, well, what you really need, you need church, and we've got a good church. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We've got to go the extra step, and we've, we've got to make this thing about Christ. I'm all about advertising our church, amen. And I'm all about you bragging on our choir and our youth group and how awesome the preaching is. <laughs> I'm only teasing. If it was that great, everybody would be back tonight. Right. I mean, I understand I understand I'm frail, and, and Lisa tells me that all the time. But, but listen, we, we have to make it about Him. That's what a church in action does. 
And I guess I'm sharing some of this with you because I've learned from my own mistakes. There's been times where I haven't said all the right things because I didn't just, I didn't want to get there. You, you know what I mean? It was like I, I didn't want to be, I, I felt like if I did something like that, I wouldn't have other opportunities. You ever been in that position? Well, I don't want to just totally, no, 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 that may be the last chance you get. It happened to me one night, and I'll never forget it. But Master Sergeant Button, I, I didn't know him, but he came into our office one night during an exercise, and me and Airman Crosby, we always put out a spread during exercises, because that's what weather people do. And he came in, and, and he was fellowshipping, if you will. He was talking with us, eating. And I sensed God telling me to say something. And as he drove home that day, he was going down Main Street. A car purposefully was going the wrong way on a one-way and was targeting somebody to hit and hit him head-on and he died. And I'll never know. Was I the one to reach him that night? I don't know if he was saved or lost. But I sensed that God was saying, you need to, you need to witness so don't be afraid to get to that point of you need Christ. It may be your only opportunity. Amen? I could give you plenty of other examples of my failures, and I'm sure you could of yours. But if we're going to be a church in action that's pleasing God, we have to preach Christ. So as we leave out of here tonight, I'm encouraging you to go out into the world that you work in. Maybe you got hobbies and things like that, and you rub shoulders with people. Give them not just a church invite, but give them an opportunity to make a decision about Christ. Amen. Preach Christ to them, because that is their hope, not us. Let's pray.